Welcome to 2022. Can you believe it? Even as I recorded that, I find myself going, wow, here we are moving forward into the next year of life. I thank you for being a part of the ministry of Winning at Home. By receiving this uh, simple CD or maybe you're receiving it podcast, you are part of our family. You help us do what we do day to day. God is continuing to bless what we're doing and guiding us into making more of a mark for him. We didn't set out to get bigger, but in the last few months and years, the Lord has expanded our ministry and we are praying that we will continue just to simply make a mark for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for helping us do that. Many of you may know we secured some extra office space, about 4,000 square feet in the Zealand area. And so we'll be expanding our offices there. Our downtown facility has been full and continues to make a mark in the inner city. Uh, our Tampa Bay offices are continuing to make a difference for the Lord under the leadership of Phil Lewis. And we are praying and asking the Lord to guide us into what the future continues to hold in terms of expanding to new places. We have other people asking us to bring winning a home in their communities. And so we appreciate your prayers as we simply, day by day, live this thing out and see where the Lord has us go. And I want to thank you for your prayers, for your partnership, for your support in all that we do. And I think as you listen to this month's edition of the Home Run Club, you're going to see what we stand for, why we stand for it, and how we're going to continue to seek to make a mark for the Lord Jesus Christ. This message I shared, I am excited about. I hope to share it in more places. And as you listen to it, I pray it will be an encouragement to your spirit and to your heart. Some of you may have already heard it somewhere while I was preaching, but I pray that as you listen or re-listen, that it will speak into your soul and you'll be reminded of what's really important as we continue to seek to carry faith and then pass that faith on to our children. So I pray you'll be encouraged as you listen to me as I share this message live, and we'll go to that now. My love for preaching has intensified in the last couple of years because I look at our world, and the world just needs truth. Let me say this real clear. We don't need any more opinions. I'm going to get on some of you. Some of you love to go online and you love to post your opinion. Let me just tell you something. Post the Word of God. Just, just pick a verse. Because that's where solidity lies. I've just been looking more and more at this book going, God gave us this book on purpose. He knew there would be ups and downs. He knew there would be COVID. He knew there would be COVID variants. He knew there would be all kind of opinions and thoughts and ideas. And He said, look, I'm going to try to help you out. When times get chaotic, read this. And this morning, I'm going to take a verse out of this. And i got to tell you, wherever I go these days, I'm not trying to be funny. There may be something in this message that's funny. I'm not trying to entertain you. I'm trying to let you know that this word is steady and sure. And somebody today needs to just apply that to your life. Because you came in here, you're doing fine. But, hey, everybody did come over for Thanksgiving. There's a couple of those people you don't really like. So you got through it. And here you sit today and you're going, just give me something solid. I'm going to seek to do that. I also want to take a moment and just honor your staff. Um, This has been a season, wherever I go, wherever I go. I've been in four different states in the last month. And I can tell you, wherever I go, pastors and staff of churches are worn out. They're worn out. This season has been especially hard. 25% of a lot of pastors, I talk with a lot of people around the whole world, 25% of pastors have either resigned or stepped away from ministry through a lot of this season. I'm talking all staff at a church. So it's been tough. 
I just spoke down in Orlando, Florida about a month ago to an event. And I want to tell you what happened there. We, we were in this one room. There's about six, 8,000 people go to this event. It's called AACC's National World Conference type thing. It happened in Orlando this year. And there were maybe 6,500, I want to say, people had attended. They're all pastors, they're counselors, they're coaches, coaches like that help people with their life, life coaching stuff. That's who's in the room, okay? And I had the privilege of speaking there, and I'm up speaking. And about halfway through my speech, I, I just paused a moment, and I said, I think somebody here just needs a little prayer today. I said, I don't know who. It's a big crowd, and I was like, I, I want to be careful uh, because it probably is going to be kind of intimidating. But if you're here and you're struggling in your life, they're pastors, they're coaches, and they're counselors. They lead our nation, okay? And they lead our world in giving spiritual guidance. I said, if anybody's here and you, you just have the nerve to do it and you'd love prayer, would you stand up? There was this guy. If I recall correctly, his name was Scott. He was about halfway back in the audience. And just like here, if somebody stood up, I would have to say to you, yell loudly because I have a mic, but you don't. And I said, you know, what, what, what do you want prayer for? And he said, um, I have a wayward child. I don't know where they are. And I'm barely functioning. I've been through that. I get that. And I looked at him and I said, dude, let, let me just pray for you. And so I started praying for Scott. I asked people, I said, hey, stretch your hand out towards Scott. So we prayed over him. And then I said, amen. And I stopped and I stepped back and I was like, I bet there's somebody else here that would love prayer too. So, so I just said, if you're here and you're willing and you can identify with what Scott said, maybe you've got a kid right now and your relationship with that kid is broken and you're hurting. Remember, these are pastors, counselors, coaches. I said, if you would like to have prayer today, if, if you'd want to be prayed for as well, I'm just going to invite you to stand. And I had in my mind, I was, I, I was standing with my foot over the edge of the stage. I remember that. I like to preach with one foot off. I don't know why I do that because one of these days I'm going to fall off. But I was standing like this and I just said, hey, if, if you're feeling that and you'd like prayer too, you have a broken relationship with your kid, just stand up. Over 50% of the crowd stood up. I mean, I, I stepped back off the edge. I was like, whoa, I was not expecting this. And I said to the people that day, wow, we're broken. I'm not going to do it right now, but if I said, if you're in this room and your life has got some heartache, Thanksgiving wasn't a piece of cake for you, and you're hurting some, I can tell you, I know a lot of you would stand because look around, nobody's moving. Everybody's head still. We all connect with the thought, man, I'm broken. I'm just broken. And I stand most broken among you. I got issues. I got pain. I got stuff I wish would go away. And I look at myself and I go, what do I need? And I know the answer. I need a good dose of Jesus. I need a good dose. I, I, don't, I don't need to go online and read one more post. In fact, I don't do that. Because it just, I'll use a Greek word here. No, I'll be careful. It ticks me off. 
And today I'm going to give you a passage of Scripture. It's so fitting that last week you have children be dedicated, and it's so fitting this morning that we light a candle called Hope. And this passage, as soon as I say it, some of you have memorized it, some of you have it probably written on a wall, or at least you have it carved in something at your house. Um, If you go over to one of the stores that sells those things that have words on them, this verse is usually on one. And as soon as you see it, you're going to go, yep, it's a parenting verse. No, it is, it is a parenting verse, but it's not just for parents. This passage was not written to parents. It was written to society, to us, all of us, everyone in the room. It's Proverbs 22, 6. Y'all know the verse. If you've been in church for any length of time at all, even if you never attend church, you've probably heard someone maybe quote this. It's simple. Train up a child. In the way they should go. So when they're old, they won't depart from it. We're just going to break it down. I'm just going to talk to you about what I think it means. I want you to tuck this into your life. And I want you to look for somebody somewhere that you can influence by this verse. Because somebody around you is broken. Probably starting with you. And it's when we're vulnerable before the Lord... It's when we look at him and say, um, Lord, I don't, I don't need this verse to apply to all them. I need this verse to apply to me. The first part of the verse says, train up a child. I, I want you to notice a big cultural difference that's happened in our society. When this passage was written, when this Bible was written, the culture was such that a woman found her entire value. This has nothing to do with opinions, by the way. This is just factual information. The Bible has passages about the importance of a woman bearing a child. I mean, think about Abraham and Sarah. She couldn't have a child, and she was saying, God, why would you leave me barren? I mean, she was broken. Because the entire value is found in the ability to have a child. That's not true in our culture. See, it's why when I even say something about training up a child, it doesn't have the impact it did in the day that it was written. So we need to move back into that moment of, oh my goodness, this is really important. We need to see that the training of the children you saw lined up on the stage last week is of utmost importance, and it is a responsibility that lays on all of us. Train up a child. It's responsibility. So you got to just not haphazardly do it. Point number one is you got to have a plan. You need to have something that you go, this is what I'm hoping to do. When my children, when the children of this church, when they turn 30, the kids are right now in some ministry class, when they turn 30, how do we want them to turn out? Then we've got to come up with a plan to invest in their life. Now, you need to know there are all sorts of plans that are trying to teach and guide your children. And the second point is whoever teaches your child is discipling your child. So this morning, I personally believe, from what I know, you invest in your children. That's intentional. That stuff's not accidental. So so step back from your own self and your own church for a second and go, oh, wow, you know what? I didn't realize this, but the church I'm attending actually is investing in my children. I like that. That means they're discipling my children. Awesome. Look. Pay attention. Notice that. I don't know if you guys get this, but there's plenty of kids in our society who aren't getting any disciples yet. Oh, oh, they actually are. Just not from a biblical, godly basis. 
Because there's another system. The church system's training your children. There's a couple more I'm going to mention. One of them is a social network system. Today, your children are being taught by a lot of the stuff that they're reading. Be aware of that. Don't be clueless. It's your responsibility to know what's going on. You say, but Dan, I can't control it. You're right. There's some things you can't control. But you can know what is happening in their life because you be aware of it. We are seeing at our office at Winning at Home. Let me just tell you, the phone is ringing off the hook for two categories of people. We're marriage and family. That's what we do. We've invested in marriage for many years, parenting many years. But let me tell you, where the phone is ringing off the hook, teens and children, they feel lost. They feel chaotic. They're not sure. I I, I spoke the other day to a high school basketball team, all-girl team. I was invited to come to their practice. I hang out with them, practice with them, all that kind of stuff. And then I spoke to them after. And I looked at them and I said, girls, I, I want to apologize to you right now. And they're looking at me like, for what? What did we do? I said, not for the basketball. No, not that. I said, I want to apologize that you live in a society where it's hard to find the adult in the room. You guys, I'm sorry. Sometimes you watch TV and if those are the adults, if that's the adults, then who's leading us? Children and teens are looking for leadership. When they come to our office and you get solid advice, they leave, their spirits are lifted. Not because it's winning at home, because we're guiding them to something that's greater than us. And I want to say to you today, we have that opportunity sitting in this room to be the people who are the adults in the room and remind our children and remind our teens that God's Word rings true and steady. They may get social media all day long, but if they have that balance of God's Word, I believe this will ring true, and I'll prove that with my last story today. And then there's another system that's affecting your children. There's another system that's guiding your children, and that's our school system. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's going to give his opinion. Nope. I have people come up to me all the time. Dan, do you think kids should be in Christian schools? And I say to them, absolutely. Then I have parents go, Dan, do you think it's okay for kids to be in public school? Absolutely. Dan, do you think it's okay? I believe I should homeschool. That's awesome. Go for it. Everybody wants, yeah, well, you gotta pick one. No, you get to pick one because you're the parent. It's called being responsible and making the best decision for your family. You say, don't you think one is greater than the other? That's not on me. That's between you and the Lord. But my point is, Know the system they're in. What are they being taught? What are they being told? <laughs> let, let, me, let me put it this way. If your child is in a system that teaches this, then when they get over here as adults and they believe that, don't be like, well, this is shocking. No, if your child is being taught something, they're being discipled something. And as a parent, that's what this verse was about. As society was looking, going, we've got to train these kids up. It's our responsibility. And time spent is not for rent. That's the third point. Time spent is not for rent. I want to take a moment right here. And I want to speak to single moms and single dads who are in this room. I, I just want to say, I've never been a single mom or single dad. I always, Jane sitting right here, we always parented together. 
you single moms and single dads, when you see that phrase, I know that you think, oh, I'm failing there. Listen, listen to me very, very carefully. This sentence is actually meant to encourage you. Watch. Some of you here who are single, I know because I pass you in the morning when I go by Speedway or somewhere to get my coffee. And I see you pull up and I see you put gas in your car by yourself. And I see you run in and grab a little something for your kid for breakfast. And it's 6.30, 7 in the morning because you're running them to daycare because you've got to get to your job by 7.30. You work the whole day. You come home from work. You've got to figure out how to get that kid where they're able to get their homework done, do the duties they need to be responsible for. You feed them. You're worn slap dab out and you're not stopping because you understand the responsibility of training that child and I pause right here for just a minute I don't know who you are I'm not going to make you stand but you single parents you are stinking heroes when you push through it you got somebody on the other side even makes it hard for you they accuse you of things that aren't true etc and you here you sit this morning trying to grow a little deeper in the Lord Jesus Christ I want to take my hat off to you today and say to you, your time spent. You say, but Dan, I only get an hour. That hour, I believe when your child turns 30, you're going to look back and go, I don't know how my mom or my dad, I don't know how they pulled that off. Because let me tell you something about little kids. They grow up and then they can see and know. And I take my hat off to you today, single moms and single dads, because your life isn't easy and you sometimes feel left out. I get it. I get it. Even sometimes when you come to church, it's a couple. It looks that way to you. I know it does. You've told me that. And I just say to you today, I'm so stinking proud of you, and I believe the Lord God in heaven is so stinking proud of you because he sees that you're invested in that kid. And so I pause a moment just to say, good job. Maybe somebody even watching online, good job, single parent, because you're making a difference in those kids' lives. And that time spent that you're not renting out, that moment you get with them, it will make a difference in their life, and I thank you for it. It's a big deal. And just understand that your time with your children is a season. I stand up here today, I'm an empty nester. I think I told you last time I was here, I was born for that. But I will say to you, you can wear pajamas or whatever you want to wear. And anyway, my season to invest is over. It's over. I won't ever have my children around the same way. I have grandchildren now I get to invest in. But you have a window. Seize that window. Don't rent it out. Train up a child. Responsibility. The second part of the verse. In the way they should go. In the way they should go. That's a real simple thought. It's direction. Now, I'm going to put these next two points up because I'm going to share something here. And you need to know, when I got to this point writing the message, I have this little stool I sit on in my office. I wrote, write my message out. And I, I went right here and I wrote a little, wrote a big, big, big capital words. And I highlighted in yellow highlighter. And it just says this, Lord, give me an extra anointing as I share this. I, I prayed that the Lord would anoint my words that you would get this point. Because see, I look up there. Let's read them. Number one. It says, AA there says, your number one priority is to guide them into knowing Christ is everything. I, I put myself in the audience and I looked at that and I thought, 
Oh, shoot. They're going to look and go, that's the same thing Greg says. Those preachers, they share each other's notes. It's the same dumb stuff they've been saying for years. And I want to tell you, I'm going to try to get that point number one. I'm going to try to get it off the screen and stick it in you. I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. And I ask the Lord to anoint that. And for that to be true, number two has to be true, or B down there, to teach that, you must know and live that too. Now let me point this out. So all my life, like as early as I can remember, if I go back to my first memories, probably three, four, five, grew up in South Carolina. My father was not an easy dad. Oh, he, he was a big leader in the church, but he was, he was two-faced. He had two sides to him, and nobody knew it. So I had this dad at home that was violent and abusive and everything to my mom and to my brother and me. It was just us. And, and then at church, he was Mr. All-Everything. And, you know, when you're five and six and seven, you think this is normal. You don't like it, but you go, okay, I guess this is what you do. You go to church and you fake it. Then you go home and beat the crap out of people. And all my life, starting from this age, I worked my butt off just, just to try to get his approval. Like, like Dad, just say you're proud of me. He, he would not do it. Never came out of his mouth. If I mowed the grass, I'd, I'd kill it to mow it perfectly. And he'd go, ah, oh, look, you just missed out one spot. Come on with a paper and, and did my best at school. I was, not a, I was a straight C student. I didn't make straight A's, but I did the best I could. And I would come home, and I'd get my C's, but then I'd get a D. You go, oh, what happened here? Nothing was ever good enough. So I fought my whole life. Watch. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very transparent here. Look, you see that word up there? Number one priority is to guide them into knowing Christ is everything. I, I had my dad in that number one spot. I didn't see it. I stand here today, a 60-year-old man. Wow, oh my goodness, I had this out of whack here. It affected my whole life. I long for him to say, you're valuable, you're important, I'm proud of you. And it never came. Even if I go back to two years ago, because my dad passed away one month ago, I'll get to that story. He's over at a little nursing home near my home, and I went back, and I go to see him. He has some dementia, but at least he knows me, and we can talk. He knows I'm a preacher, and he would say this to me. Oh, oh, you preached today? Yeah, where at? I was over in Granville area. Oh, that, that's good. Did it go well? Yeah, it went really good. And then he, then he says this. Were they willing to keep you and let you stay there? Because, you see, in his mind, I have to travel and preach because nobody wants me every week. And he always made that real clear to me. It's just, so there's no church that will let you stay, huh? He still said that to me. I got to a point I could just laugh it off, but I got to tell you, in my 30s and 40s, that's tiring. I don't even want to go visit him. Let me just show you. He passed away about four weeks ago. I held his hand as he died. I love him to death. We're healed. I'm good. I did his funeral. But I never got his approval. 
but I figured out before he died that I had him in the wrong spot. I was looking for dad's approval. Oh my goodness, but I had the father. And somebody in this room needs to hear this right now. You are looking for someone's approval, some spouse's approval, some dad-mom approval, some kid's approval, some neighbor approval, some pastor's approval. And all those things, let me tell you what they will do, they will let you down. And I took what I was handed as a little boy. Y'all want to see? I lead an organization called Winning Home. I'm a pastor, okay? And I want to show you what I did. I messed this point up. I screwed it up. I did it wrong. Because I didn't have that with my father, guess what I tried to do? I tried to become for my children Mr. Everything. I was going to be number one in their life. And I was going to guide them into knowing Dad is everything. So I gave them everything and fought for everything and had bumper stickers all over the van that said, My kids in sixth grade, all that stuff. (laughs) The whole time, thinking I was killing it. And I was actually putting myself in the God spot. I taught him about Jesus. I told him he was amazing. But I kind of filled the hole. <laughs> and let me, let me tell you something about kids, okay? Because I think compared to my father, I think I rocked it out. I didn't miss an event. I coached this. I coached that. I taught them how to do everything. Jane and I invested in their lives every day. But kids grow up. And kids begin to see inconsistencies in you, even though you think you're Mr. Everything. And my kids will now say to me as adults, 36 down to 26, Dad, you really missed this one. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Wow, I did. And it began to hit me. Oh, my goodness. I better tell them that Jesus is everything even when Dad misses up. Because all of you in here right now who are dads and moms and your kids gave you these shirts and they'll buy them for Christmas. Actually, you buy them. It says, my dad's awesome. <laughs> and then you put shirts on them going, my dad's the greatest. I, I, know, I know. I wore those. I have a pillowcase that I still sleep on that says that. <laughs> but you fail. Because you're broken. Go ahead and tell your kids that. Hey, you might think I'm everything, but someday I'm going to let you down. No, you never will. Yeah, I will. And I learned that the hard way. And my children now here, my children at 36 to 26, rode to Chicago with one last week, saw one good bit yesterday. I tell them, hey, Dad, hey, let me tell you, Dad's not everything. He's broken. He's messed up. Jesus will always be there for you. Because I want them to know. Because this is really important. Because if I'm going to teach that to them, I have to live that too. And it's not too late, baby. It's not too late. I'm discovering more and more what it means to be solid in God. And I'm glad. Because right now in this society, I'm going to tell you, solid people stand out. 
You can spot them. They're not drifting all up and down and giving you all their opinions. They're being steady. I have a dream that you guys right now as a church, you're chasing after God's heart and trying to chase people and lead them to the Lord. I know that's your theme. I have a dream that people start coming here more and more because they go, wow, that church has been solid through the ups and downs of life and they're going to be steady and they're going to train their kids up in a good, solid networking system in the Harvard churches and they're going to teach their children about Jesus. And who knows how that's going to turn out? That's over to the Lord. I, I don't know how it's all going to turn out with all my kids and grandkids. I know my responsibility is to train them up in the way they should go. Watch this. So that when they are old, oh my goodness, that third point, Scientists and scholars and rabbis and philosophers have tried to figure out for years what that word old means. Well, I bet it means when they're 18. Oh, I know, 21. Let me tell you what I think old is. This is my opinion. I told you I'd tell you if it's my opinion. This is my opinion. Old to me means when they go through a couple of life's hard knocks. And they get through it. And they find their way even closer to Jesus. When they get old. Kid can be ten years old and get this. A kid could be fifteen years old listening to me right now and you're going through something at school. I would tell you this is a chance for you to become more like Christ. But I don't like it, it's hard. Mm -hmm. But it means I'm going to have to surrender a bit. Right. Like people are putting me down. Mm -hmm. Our role model, Jesus, people put him down all the time. Lied about him, made up crap about him, all kind of stuff. And he stayed steady. When you're old, last part of the verse says, you will not depart from it. What is it? It doesn't say the word there. It just says, when they're old, won't depart from it. It is faith. Faith. We're all passing on, and the only thing that will remain that we want our children to have a solid, steady feet in is faith. So standing up here today, I tried my best, Jane and I, Tried our best to raise our children to love the Lord Jesus. Broken people. That's what parenting is. Broken people raising more broken people. But we sought to tell them about Jesus. We sought to put them in places where they would hear the name of the Lord. We're praying that for our grandchildren. Just put them in a place where they hear the name of Jesus. Because we say it, but we'll be gone someday. And I remember for me... um, I shared with you a little bit last time I was here, but I'm going to revisit a moment. I want to tell you what happened. So I raised these kids up, and my youngest, we get to her graduation day, and I go to the graduation. Jane and I are sitting on the next to last row in the back of the church. I sit in the next to last row on purpose because my daughter had already told me, as soon as I graduate, I'm out of here. Anna, where are you going to go? I don't know, but I'm out of here. I'm tired of it. Tired of all this stuff. Tired of you guys being my parents. I want to do what I want to do. 
I'm going to tell you, standing here as a parent, if you had told me when I was raising them up and they were wearing the little shirts that go, you rock, daddy. If you had told me that one in particular would have gone wayward, I would have said, no chance. We're at graduation day. I'm sitting there in the next to last seat. I had spoken at my other kids' graduations, not this one. And people were walking in, and I'm a little bit of a public figure, so they obviously know who I am. They're walking up to me, putting their hand on my shoulder. I'm sitting in back trying to get away from people. I do not want to be here. I want to be here to support my daughter, but I would rather no one else touch me or speak to me. People were touching me on the shoulder. Hi, Dan. Hi. Um, why aren't you speaking? You usually speak at these things. <laughs> why don't you go sit down and shut up? I mean, it's just like, just leave in. Just get away. Just don't, don't. Do you mind? Do you mind? I'm just sitting here. I watch the service. She goes across the stage. She gets her diploma, turns her tassel. All my mind is racing to is, where's she going? I'm broken. And then the choir, oh, this was the moment. The choir gets up to sing. I'm sitting in the next to last row. Jane and I are sitting there. Anna came up on stage with her class. She stood about right here on the stage. And they started singing this song. My goodness gracious. I didn't know, I didn't know they were singing this song. The song called The Prayer, it's a song by Celine Dion. Some of you at least have heard that song, you know what it is. I don't sound quite like Celine, but I'm going to sing a little of it. The words are, I pray you'll be our eyes and watch us where we go. And I'm sitting in the back going, oh my goodness. Anna, listen to the words you're singing and help us to be wise. In times when we don't know, let this be our prayer. Listen to this next line. When we lose our way. I'm, I was crying so stinking hard sitting in that row going, Anna, listen to what you're singing. Lead us to a place. Guide us with your grace. To a place where we'll be safe. I was, I, was, I was just weeping. And I was thinking about all the years we had poured into her. And she's going to walk. And we got done with that, and then they went back into the back. You know, everybody goes back to get the little hors d'oeuvres, and we're eating the hors d'oeuvres and finger food and drinking our little drink and congratulating everyone. I hug Anna, and then I said to Anna, I said to her, oh, Anna, that song, that song was beautiful. You, you know, where, I've told you where she was at, right? What song? You know, just that attitude. I, I want to just say this really kind. Some of you in your 17, you can't see it, but you got an attitude. <laughs> it's just, just all over you. And when parents try to speak to you, it's that, and, and I said to her, that, that, that song, Celine Dion, that prayer song, she literally went like this. 
You also, you teens who are here need to know when you do that, everything inside us wants to go right back at you. Like we don't, because we're trying to be adults, but man, it would be so fun just to double down. Painful. Stinking painful. And she did. She left. She got in the car and drove away. She uh, left. She actually left home when she pulled away from the winning at home parking lot. I still remember Jane and I standing there. We prayed over her. She let us pray for her. And she drove off with $400 in her, in her pocket. She thought that would be enough to pretty much get her where she needed to get in the world. I told her, don't go towards Chicago because there's tolls there. Go another way because you got a better chance. <laughs> I can laugh today, but I could not laugh that day. I cried. Jane and I held each other and wondered if we would make it. And for years, she was wayward. For years, she was gone. Painful. Almost killed one night. Stuff that I still can't believe. I shared a little bit of this with you when I with you last time, but I want to tell you why I'm telling you this today. Because when Anna came home, I said to her one day as we were standing in the kitchen, "Why did you come home?" She went over and picked something up that we have at the house, and then she said to me, "I knew." That this was a place where I would be safe. And I got to tell you, it came back to my mind. Lead me to a place. Guide me with your... Let, let me say this next word is for all of us. Grace. Do, do y'all know, know what all you are? A bunch of wayward kids. Broken. And God in heaven goes... Do you see my grace? I forgive you. I'll help you. I'll take you back. I'm here. I never left. You left me, but I ain't left you. And today I say to you, I take take a moment to say to a 17-year-old in here today, your family may not be perfect. Your home may not be perfect. But the Lord is. Go home to Him. And then you'll find your way back in life, period. I think about two little children that came up and lit this candle. I reminisce back to the days that ours would have done that. Life goes on. Those two kids someday will be adults. And I pray that the teaching and the learning they get now For whatever they face. Because I'm just going to give you, this is my opinion. As I look at our world, I do not look and go, now it seems like we've got the leaders in there that are just bringing solidity. Hey, I want to tell you something. The answer, ladies and gentlemen, to our world is not a political leader. The answer to our world is Jesus Christ. Don't lower yourself to that political stuff. Get back up here. It's what Jesus did. He came and said, I came to save the world. He didn't come to save a system. He came to save the world. Put your hope there. Don't put it down here. Put it up here. Why would we ever stoop to something lower than God's plan? 
We have the ability today to put our hope, to light a candle, not to some political system. We light this candle in the name of God Almighty and Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hope there. Teach your children that. And I believe the Lord will honor that. And let me just say, it's 11.06, what do I have to 1 o'clock? Let me just say, somebody here, child hasn't come home. I'm going to close and I'm going to pray for you, but let me say something to you. I honestly thought Anna might never come home until I passed, maybe. I didn't know. I had to give her to Jesus. And I want to say to you today, you don't decide what old is. You don't get to decide that. You leave that in the Lord's hands because otherwise you won't sleep at night. And my prayer is that wherever your kids are today, you will leave here with more of a desire to train them up in the ways of the Lord, not in the systems of this world. And so God, today, we bow our heads in reverence to you, the literal Savior of the world. We lit a candle when we started in hope that we will always know that you are with us no matter what we face and that our children could know you by the way we live and the way we walk and the way we talk. I give this morning to you, along with all the staff of this church to you. Would you surround this place with the power and the anointing of Christ? And would today you remind us all We are broken people who have a Savior. And we love you today. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen. As I said in the beginning, I'm praying that the Lord will help us continue to carry these type of messages into our chaotic world. I don't see that changing, the chaos stuff. And so our prayer is that we will be more steady, more sure of who we are and what we stand for and that the message will go forth in power. I again thank you for your love, for your support. Would you continue to pray for us and look for ways that you can come alongside us? And our prayer is that we will also do the same for you. So bless you as you enter this new 2022 season, and may the Lord give you a wonderful new year.